Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 511. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of Spurs Cast. Joining me for the, well, I guess you can call this the first actual 2018-19 uh, Spurs Cast is uh, John Diaz from ProjectSpurs.com. John, how are you doing, man? I'm I'm good. I'm glad to be back. And I don't, should we like announce that this might be the last time I'm on? Yeah, you I know, mean, what? I, should, <laughs> I I accidentally just I'm so used to when and I have you on saying of projectspurs.com. So John, hey, go ahead because and, uh, my, if my employer's listening, no, yeah. I'm not John Diaz <laughs> of Project Spurs. I'm John Diaz of formerly of Project Spurs. Formerly, that was my my on my part. Um so yes, John is actually formerly a Project Spurs. So John, you can go out and um inform the the listeners and and the readers of Project Spurs what's going on with your professional career right now. Yeah, so in case anyone didn't know, uh, I accepted a position as a web producer over at ABC 13 Houston, uh, working for KTRK TV and stuff, and, you know, it's just one of those things where you can't be doing similar activities with your current job that can conflict, and yada, 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 Uh, that's for lawyers to decide, but I got good for this for one more podcast, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, so we had actually um, planned this, uh, you know, back back during the summer, but then, you know, this is before John got this, this, uh, this new gig. And so, um, you know, he did uh, definitely talk to his, his new employer, and, and they were they were cool with at least one more episode. So this might be the last time you hear John on <laughs> the Spurs cast. <laughs> so we do apologize for those of you that, have, that definitely listen, you know enjoy, enjoy well, listening to his commentary. I mean, you had me on, what, 11 times we found yeah, out last Yeah, we, we did the stats, and you were on 11 times the most. You Maybe were, it's a good thing. Just get me off of this. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you were my most frequent guest, even though you had never been on the Spurs cast. Okay, so Spurs cast listeners, let's go ahead and get through our – we have two main topics that John and I are going to discuss for this episode. Um, topic number one will be the um, a quick little recap of the, what some of our thoughts from the Spurs Heat uh, preseason game to open up that began on Sunday, and then the second topic, which is kind of why we wanted to have this podcast, um, was the Western Conference over unders, kind of where we give our our predictions on who we think the top eight teams will be out west and where we think the Spurs will fall when um you know when when the season's over, uh, heading into the playoffs next year. All right, John. So let's go ahead and begin with the uh, first topic, which is the Spurs preseason game. Uh, the Spurs opened up their inaugural preseason. Uh, with a 104-100 win against the Miami Heat on Sunday uh, afternoon here in San Antonio, uh, the you know some standout players, uh, Rudy Gay, um, you know scored 13 points. Derek White came off the bench with 12 points and four rebounds to assist. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge got in um, double figures of 10 points, and then also uh, Davis Bertans off the bench at 10 points. It was pretty remarkable that. This, you know, I looked up the stats and, you know, considering when you when you throw in all 19 players, this team only has 42 percent of their roster still, um, you know, hold, held over from last year. So this is, you know, less than 50 percent of this team is, is, is uh, you know, knows each other, basically. And they were up by 16 at one point in third quarter. They really looked pretty good against Miami. You know, I, I know Miami's had a few guys as well. But um, what were your kind of just your initial thoughts on this um, Spurs preseason opener? I, I, I got to watch a good amount of the game. So. Uh, I love the, the 
the length and the size of the starting lineup. I love seeing Rudy Gay in more of a three role and being more of a spot-up shooter, kind of like the Bruce Bowen type and the Danny Green type where he doesn't have to work as hard for baskets or have to do as much. Um, I don't like the bench lineup. As much shooting as there is, I really did not like seeing Bertans and Forbes and Mills and Bellinelli with Pirtle out there. I liked it more with Derek White taking Bryn Forbes' spot. And I think that'll be something that we'll see moving forward as the season progresses once Derek White gets a little more comfortable and gets over maybe his initial one or two assignments to Austin. Um, outside of that, it, it was kind of... I understand that you know they blew that... 16-point lead because you had Blossom Game, Nick Johnson, Akara White. These guys don't know each other outside of, like, Nick and Jerron. And they played maybe, you know, five minutes with Shemezi met to over the summer. So I didn't expect anything there. I do like seeing that athleticism. At the same time, I think Jerron Blossom Game is going to end up having to settle for a two-way contract. Just because of the experience and what Quincy Pondexter brings to the table, I think it's better if you put Chimezi and Jerron in Austin to get a little bit more seasoning, and you get that two-way with Jerron so you can bring him up here and there. Same thing with Chemezi since he's already guaranteed a roster spot. And we'll worry about Drew Eubanks later. I don't even want to get into that. I'm not impressed with anything I've seen from him. If Drew Eubanks or anyone in his family is listening, I'm sorry. I'm just not impressed whatsoever. Well, <laughs> there's a kid who sent it back to Project Spurs the year. Their commentary because not going to be there. So anyway, you can't just say that. Um, let's go ahead and um, yeah, let me so, get so, it all out there right now. Yeah, I know. So I, I do want to bring up two things that you just brought up there was uh, which was what some of those lineups. You know, obviously it's only the first preseason game. You know, we, we're definitely going to see Pop start experimenting here as the um, preseason continues, and even in the regular season. You know, those first few weeks, Pop takes a while before he really gets together a, a lineups that he likes. So one thing I want to comment on that you mentioned was that starting unit. You know, they they're really long defensively. You know, they, they play at a very slow pace because you have guys like Powell in there. You have Lamarcus, uh, Rudy Gay, like you mentioned. Um, and then you have like guy like DeRozan and Murray. So, so what I did notice, uh, you know, off the bat, which we all kind of thought was going to happen before the season even started, which was there's a lot, there's not a lot of spacing in that starting unit. If those five players do start, you mentioned Rudy Gay being the only spot up shooter from that group. I remember looking at the stats of the first half. He was the only um, starter who took a three, uh, at least at, at one point during that first half. So there's not a lot of spacing. We don't know exactly if those will be the five starters. Um, then you look at the bench and you mentioned, you know, that lineup defensively, they're going to struggle if that is. I, I do like that. It, it, offensively, it's fun to watch. There's a lot of passing. There's a lot of cutting. Oh, yeah. Off-ball action. It kind of reminds you of those 2014 Spurs, a very international type of group. You know, there's like five different countries represented in that lineup. But defensively, those are not standout defensive players. And, you know, they're going to struggle on that end. So you did see Pop kind of experiment in the second half when he um, when he started um, D- Derek White at the one. And uh, who was it? Um, uh uh, he sat Rudy Gay down, and he sat, and he started. Um, I think it was Bellinelli uh, at, at the two, or it was Patty Mills. I'm sorry, it was, it was Patty Mills. So, so, so you did see him start to to um, experiment though early on in the second half. And Pop did mention, you know, he says, "I want to have, so, I want to, I want to have as many different players play alongside Lamarcus and and DeRozan to to see who fits well because those are de- definitely going to be their top two guys uh, each night." Now, one player you brought up, which was very interesting, which was Derek White. You know, a lot of people want, before the season even started, we were saying we want, you know, people want to see him play. And it was interesting that Pop didn't, first of all, put him in the, the starting five, but then second, he didn't even bring him in that second unit to start. It was Bryn Forbes who got the two, and Patty Mills got the one spot. So uh, Derek, you know, he struggled a little bit in the first half. He even mentioned he was kind of nervous, had a lot of excitement, basically, to be back and play basketball. So he had two early turnovers, but then in that second half, he was patient. He ran the pick and roll. He played very well. Like I mentioned, he played with the starters. He played with the bench players. He looked really good, basically. He had a, he had a really solid game. Um, and that's kind of the question is, 
from from my perspective, I was talking to Bruno Passos at the game from Pounding the Rock about this, is that we kind of think that he's kind of almost battling um, uh, Brent Forbes for minutes to see who's going to yeah. get that that backup two. Even though we call it a two on paper, you know, he can really he can run the show if he's a one and Patty plays a two on that on that bench unit. Is that kind of where you're thinking that it's really between him and Forbes? Yeah, I, I think so. And you, Brent will still get his minutes and he'll still get his action, but I think Derek can run the offense a lot better once he gets a little bit more entrenched into it. And we, we saw that in Austin a lot is that there's just moments where he catches fire and he can do everything on both sides of the floor. I've yet to see that from Bryn, especially on the defensive end. But the ability to ball handle, to pass, and to penetrate the way that Derek White, it, it's just amazing to watch. So I, I feel like Bryn is probably the odd man out unless, you know, something drastic happens this season where they end up having to move Patty Mills and then he can kind of shift into that position. But outside of that, I think it's just one of those things where Bryn Forbes is your roadblock to Derek White until he gets a little bit more developed, which should be this year. Yeah, and you know, one thing I was noticing during watching that game is like outside of DeRozan, who's their other player who used to do that? What Mono you could do, which was break down the defense out of pick and roll. Derek White is the only guy who can do that right now. When you just look at this roster, yeah. who, who has like a natural feel for doing that, and obviously it would take more experience and minutes for him to get more comfortable. Uh, doing that so that'll kind of be something to watch again we're not going to go too crazy into this just because it is the first preseason game it's not like we have uh, a 15 to 20 game sample size uh something else i just wanted to, to note was um the shot selection obviously we know that this team's going to be zigging going toward the twos the mid-range sh- game rather than um zagging like like the rest of the league shooting threes and you already noticed that um in the first game you know they took 38 paint shots 25 mid-range jumpers in that first game, which would have been first in the league last year. I wrote that in my observations notes. Uh, they took only 22 threes, which would have been last in the league last year if that was an average for a season. So one thing that was good was that they made a good percentage of those. They made 41% of their threes. So basically, I think we're still going to see a very low-volume Spurs shooting um, outside team. But as long as they keep that clip really high, which is what they didn't do last year, uh, they should be okay in, in terms of the outside. What do you think about that? I, I, yeah, one of my favorite plays was in the third quarter was DeRozan kind of driving in, and he kind of brings in Hassan Whiteside and just makes this over-the-head pass to LaMarcus, who was wide open. And you kind of think to yourself, well, why would you ever sag off LaMarcus Aldridge from 18 feet? But that's what DeRozan brings to the table. Just like Kawhi, except DeRozan has the passing ability where he can get the ball straight to LaMarcus <laughs> instead of passing out to the corner and then going around the horn back to LaMarcus. You don't have to worry about that. It can just be... One motion, just come off the pick and roll, drive, and then bam, right back out to him. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch this season, and especially if you can get DeJounte playing the way he is with slashing and starting fast breaks, they'll be just fine without the three-point shooting in that in that starting unit. Yeah, so that, that'll be something to watch. And, then, you know, you, speaking of DeJounte, his jumper looked good there. He, I think he shot like two or yeah. three <laughs> mid-range jumpers, and that, that's, that release looked really fluid compared to the outside shot. Just looked so it looked like a, lot of, a little hitch in there, should I say. So, yeah, so, again, we don't want to overanalyze that game. It was just one game. We'll, we'll see what happens on Friday when they play Detroit and then Houston on Sunday as the uh, preseason continues. Um, so, John, let's go on to our second topic, and that's the Western Conference over-unders. Now, I pulled this data. This It might be a little bit dated compared to some of the most recent. So th- this comes from, as of um, September 17th, this comes from uh, Jeff Sherman of GolfOds.com. He's one of the Vegas um, you know, personnel that we, that we like to rely on. And uh, we use his stats as, as I mean, his over-under um, um, is over unders last year as well in our Spurs cast when we did our um, you know our predictions. So so real quick Spurs cast listeners, just to make sure you know that John and I do have a you know we do uh, we were pretty close last year in terms of our our, our um, you know our predictions. We did get both of us went six for eight in terms of picking the eight Western Conference teams. 
the two teams that we both missed out on were um, we both pit uh, the Clippers and uh, Denver into the playoffs, and we didn't. We left out Utah and New Orleans, and I think Utah could have been probably been there. And we we didn't we didn't think Donovan Mitchell was going to have that type of season. We talked, yeah, that was insane. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that Spurs cast from a year ago, and we both hyped him up really well, but we didn't think he was going to be. You know, we, we we there was a quote from one of us where we said, you know, is he going to replace Gordon Hayward scoring and you know just playmaking? And he kind of did a lot of that for the Jazz. They relied on him heavily, and then New Orleans too. We didn't think that even after Boogie went down that they would pick it up when they got Meritage and stuff and they just a lot of their players um you know that they brought in last year they, they didn't play well like Tony Allens and stuff but uh some of their younger guys did play well and, and they made names for themselves so what we're going to do here Spurs cast listeners is um I'm going to go through we're going to go through each over under for the top 15 um Western Conference teams we'll eventually get to the Spurs where, where we have them where, where Vegas has them right now uh, and then we'll give our over-under on those teams, and then um, at the end we'll give our predictions for this year where we think the Spurs will fall and who those eight Western Conference teams are. Okay, so, John, let's go ahead and begin here. Um, the first team, the Golden State Warriors, they are, um, they're over-under 62.5. Last year they, they won 58 games. Uh, additions to the team, of course, DeMarcus Cousins, but he's not going to be healthy for day one. It's going to be a while before he starts playing. Uh, not, not that many others, uh, Jonas Jurebko. And then uh, Jacob Evans, that that rookie. Now some 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 losses for them are Javale McGee and uh, David West, who retired, and Javale went to the Lakers. So are you over or under on the Lakers at sixty two and a half? I mean at the Warriors, sorry. <laughs> um, just a hair under, just because Boogie won't be entirely healthy, and this team needs to rest. It's the same thing as last year, just multiplied again. This team needs to rest during the regular season. They're not going to be as hungry, and they need to save their gas for the playoff run. And not to mention the East. I mean, the Western Conference is stronger. As, as much as we don't want to say that the Lakers will be super competitive, the Lakers may be able to steal one or two of those games that they didn't steal last year. And a lot of the same, it goes the same with all the other Western Conference teams. So I, I think you can catch them on a good night. And I think 60 is right there. Not, not to say that I don't think they won't repeat or anything. I just think 60 is right there at their ceiling for everything they've gone through, you know, miles-wise and just... In, in the way that they prepare for the playoffs. And Steve Kerr is going to throw a couple games here and there just because he knows the rigorous grind this team goes through. So I'll put them under at 60. Okay, I'm with you. I went under uh, with 61 actually wins. Um, so we both went under. And again, I think I, I had a mistake from last year. I listened to that last Spurs cast, and I was super high on them. I thought they would, you know, getting getting Nick Young and Omri Caspi where I thought we were just going to easily win them almost <laughs> close to 70 games, and I was terribly wrong. I think now that, that I've seen how, how they, they do struggle during the season, in terms of keeping their focus, they do want to they do want to basically save their bodies for the for the long haul in terms of uh, waiting till um, the playoffs roll around. I know Andrea Godala like never gets through a whole season. Yeah. You mentioned Boogie, they're gonna be really um, they're gonna be really conservative in terms of not, not rushing him back. So yeah, you're right. I think I think I'm gonna go under there with sixty one wins for the Warriors. Um, our next team, the Houston Rockets, they're over under is fifty six this year. Last year they won sixty five games. Um some some key additions: uh, Brandon Knight, if he's healthy; uh, Marquise Chris from the Suns; uh, James Ennis from the from the uh, Pistons. I think he was playing there, and then uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, from the OKC Thunder. Some key losses: uh, Trevor Reza, uh, Ryan Anderson, and Luke Mbaamute. Are you over or under the Rockets at fifty six wins? Just a hair over on them. I I don't think they get anywhere near sixty five again. Uh, I think they're right about fifty eight or so. Funny enough, like the good the good thing about perks from work is being able to hear the you know be around the Rockets all the time and hear different things. And Mike D'Antoni said something yesterday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so yesterday Monday, right before they played their preseason game, uh, Mike D'Antoni said something. 
to the the sense of yeah, you know, people want to wonder how we're going to replace Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson, but hell, they said the same thing about Patrick Beverly, and look what happened. And I kind of took it as okay, yeah, you replace Patrick Beverly with Chris Paul, and I know Carmelo Anthony's a better talent legacy wise, but I don't think defensively he's anywhere near Trevor Ariza, and offensively he's probably past his prime. So I don't see how that, that there's a correlation there with replacing. You know, in, a, in a, a gold medalist with Trevor Ariza, yeah, okay, that looks great on paper and it looks like a super team, but it's really not. And with how old Chris Paul is, his injury history, and I, I just think the Rockets last year, we saw them at the peak of their powers. I don't think we'll see them close to that until the playoffs, so I would go under. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm going um, over slightly from that 56. I'm going to 58. Oh, range. yeah. Oh, under, yeah, you went, oh, did I say under? Yeah, so you said over. over. Yeah, you went, you went over, but you said yeah. barely. So I think you're with me where I pick 58 wins, you know, if, they're, if the over yeah. under is 56. And, again, they're banking on a lot here. They're banking on Carmelo to, to not mess up their defense that much, to, to play really well on offense. They're banking on guys like James Ennis, um, you know, Marquise Chris, Brandon Knight. These guys to actually show up. And they like Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight haven't really played for anything uh, recently in terms of being in Phoenix, really. And then, and then Ennis has been a, what used to be a pretty solid player in Memphis. But, again, they're, they're losing um, Mba Mute and Ariza. And also just I think that they're going to be a little bit more conservative and making sure that, you know, they don't, they don't wear, wear down the miles on Chris Paul. You know, because they don't want to see what happened last year, where he so some say that he might have been too exhausted, and that's that's what led toward that injury uh, later on, later on in the year. Okay, let's go ahead and go to the third team um, where Vegas has them. That's the Utah Jazz. They're expected to win forty nine and a half games next year. Last year they won forty eight games. Uh, their biggest issue is uh, offense. Last year they ranked sixteenth according to CleaningTheGlass.com. They were a monster defensively, second in the league. Now, really, they haven't lost or added any players outside of, a, you know, I, I wrote down Grayson Allen as their one acquisition through the draft, if, if he even gets minutes and stuff. And then their, their one loss is Jonas Yurepko, who was a rotation player. So they pretty much have the same solid group. So do you think the Jazz will win um, more than 49 and a half games? I, I think they're going under. I think I have them about 46 just because, again, like you didn't really add anyone. I don't think Grayson Allen <clears throat> is going to make an immediate impact. He's going to be solid, I, I feel like, for that team, but... They're, they pretty much stayed stagnant while everyone else improved a little bit. So I think they're maybe about 46, especially if Gobert has any kind of injury problems. I know, I think last year he missed a little bit, a couple weeks, with an ankle injury or something. He, he's always consistently got like a little bit of a ding here and there. So I'll go under about 46 for Utah. Okay, I actually went over slightly with them. I, I went to 51. I just felt like if they got 48 last year with that team, and um, you know they have they have year two you know they have more chemistry under their belt um, in terms of, especially with Donovan Mitchell he, we expect him to, to make more growth. Uh, I put fifty one so just barely over that four nine and a half and we'll see. And I, I think a lot of it is their defense. I do trust their defense to win in ball games, especially against a lot of bad teams uh, whenever they play them night to night. And I, I'm I'm wondering if their offense will get a little bit better. Not not sixteenth if they'll get a little bit closer to that top ten level. Uh, the fourth team here is the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are their over under is forty eight and a half games. Last year, they won 48 games. Um, so some key additions, uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, I wrote down Nerlens Noel. Their, their main loss was Carmelo Anthony. And in a way, we can say a key addition is a healthy um, Andre Robertson. So they didn't have him last year, basically, after, um, after, after um, early on in the season when he got hurt and was out for the year. So, so what do you think about the Thunder at 40, 48 and a half wins? Well, this is going to be a trend. I've got like a, a good number of teams around that 48 win threshold. So I'll say under at 48. Almost a push if it wasn't for that half. But under my subtraction, I just put Carmelo Anthony, a lot of luxury tax money. So, yeah, 
I'd never understood the Dennis Schroeder trade. I know that'll help him, especially getting some help with Russ off the bench, and it gives him another ball handler and stuff. But I still didn't really understand it that much to think it was a great deal that improved them any. And Andre Robertson being healthy is great, but we need to see exactly where he's at once we get a little bit deeper into the season. So I've got him right at 48 wins again. Okay, I, I put over, and I put him at 50 wins. Um, and I just think, you know, if they won 48 last year, I feel like defensively they're going to get better. They're getting Robertson back. And remember those stats that were thrown out there last year when he was healthy? Like, they were just this monster defensively yeah. uh, with him and um, on Paul George out on the wing. And then I, I just feel like Dennis Schroeder's going to have a pretty good season, um, you know, especially he's going to be because he's going to have a, a certain role. He can't just, you know, just do whatever he wants like he was doing in Atlanta since there was a young team. So they're going to expect him to, to be productive off the bench. Maybe he'll have like that early Reggie Jackson type of season when he when Reg, yeah. Reggie used to play in, in OKC as a good, solid um, backup point guard to Russ. So I do have um, the, the Thunder slightly over with um, 50 wins here. Okay, the fifth team is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, you know, they're expected uh, the over-under is 48 wins. Uh, last year they won 35 games. Now, obviously they've ha- they have a totally new team. Uh, LeBron James is the biggest acquisition they have. Uh, they also added Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, uh, JaVale McGee, and then through the draft, Mo, Mo Wagner. Um, they did lose uh, Julius Randle, and I wrote down Brooke Lopez. And I didn't really write down Lou all day because he didn't really play for them last year or the last few years. So uh, <laughs> what do you think about the Lakers at 48 wins um, over under? I hope Luke Walton has a lot of Tylenol and Advil just stashed away somewhere because that the mud unit that LeBron calls it is is going to be kind of like crazy to watch. But at the, at the same time, LeBron won 50 with the Cavs last year. I've got him going over and right at that 49-50 win mark again just because I, until LeBron shows me that he's going to slow down or suffer some kind of injury, even in year 16, I'm not going to bet against his team You know, barely making the playoffs. Okay, I, I, this one was tough for me, man, because I almost feel like this isn't the team we're going to see when the playoffs roll around. I think we're going to have a we may ha- there's a very good chance we have another you know type of Cleveland year where a lot of people get traded at before February and it's a totally different team. So based on this roster right now, I, I put 47 wins. I wasn't I just even though even though LeBron's great and stuff, I just you know just the personalities on there, some of the players. There's a lot of different um, you know issues with their roster. I'm just not sold right now. So maybe I'll be wrong. You know, maybe they, they end up being a three or four seed out West. But for now, I took the under and barely. I, I went with 47 wins. So they, they were expected to win 48. I put 47. And again, I, I, I do think that that is going to be a, a different roster by the time the uh, playoffs do roll around here, uh, like we saw last year with Cleveland. Okay, let's go to the sixth team here, and that's the Denver Nuggets. For, their over-under is 47 and a half. Uh, last year, they won 46 and barely missed the playoffs. Um, some, some key additions... Um, uh, Isaiah Thomas, you know, he's 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 basically he's definitely trying to to earn 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 a new contract, and he you know he had a, the summer didn't work out for him with the injury history, uh, and then through the draft, Michael Porter Jr. I'm not sure exactly how much he'll play. Their main loss was Wilson Chandler, who got traded to to Philly. Uh, so, what do you think about the Nuggets at 47 and a half wins? I feel like that's really high. Uh, so I had added Isaiah Thomas, Michael Porter Jr., who we know has already had two back surgeries. Subtracted Kenneth Reed and Darrell Arthur, who were sent to New Jersey. I mean, to Bro- New Jersey to Brooklyn, and Wilson Chandler, who went to Philly. Um, the the interesting wrinkle is that that draft pick that they sent to Brooklyn is top twelve protected until twenty twenty four. So there's no incentive to make the playoffs there. If this team is a borderline playoff team, you really have no reason to be an eight seed in the West. So I feel like if it doesn't get off to a good start, they could easily just tank this away. And there's a couple teams we can say this about. So for me, I've got them going under, and maybe, you know, 43, 42 wins is enough to maybe secure a top 12 spot in the draft 
depending on how bad the East is. But I just don't I don't see the incentive in making the playoffs to give that pick to Brooklyn when you're kind of like in this position where you already had to dump so much salary as it is. You're already kind of capped out, so just give it up and try to rebuild. Okay, I went I went with the over slightly. I went to 48 wins, and I, I think I based it on the fact that they won 46 last year. They uh, you know they lost Chandler, but they've added Thomas, and I think Thomas is going to be pretty good in terms of kind of like how Schroeder, where he's going to have a backup role. He knows you know he has limited minutes. He has to be as productive as he can uh, in that time frame, and I just feel like having a healthy Paul Millsap, which is somebody they were missing last year, I mm-hmm. think that they would have made the playoffs. They would have what they would have been a better team. Had they had him, and so I, I put a slight over at forty-eight wins. Um, we'll see what happens with Nuggets. That's a good point you brought up, though, about that draft pick. Uh, in case that they are, you know, on that level of possibly having to uh, just call it a season and tank. Uh, the seventh team um, is the New Orleans Pelicans. They're expected. Their over/under is forty-six wins. Last year they won forty-eight games. Um, there are key additions: Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, and Jaleel Okafor, who just got hurt, and he's in about about two to three weeks. Is the latest reports. They did lose Boogie Cousins, and they also lost Rajon Rondo, who was a key part of their team. What do you think about the Pelicans at 46 wins? I think that's a that's an under team, and I think I've got them at about 45-44, just barely missing the playoffs. Um, Julius Randle's a good addition, and I kind of wish the Spurs would have been able to trade for him because I feel like they had the pieces to get him, and that's a good young big who can play solid defense and is very good offensively. Outside of that, losing Boogie hurts, but, I mean, you've got AD who's eligible for his extension, you know, basically free agency this summer. He's already signed with LeBron's group. So he's out there looking for max payday. And if it's not going to be max payday, then he's just going to, I feel like he's just going to put up monster numbers that are going to carry this team easily to 45 wins. But I still go under since it's 45 and a half. I think that's just a little too high. Okay. I'm right there with you. I put 45 wins as well. And so I went under as well. Uh, and I think a big part, a big player that they're going to be missing is Rondo. I feel like every game I watched with him on that yeah. team, he really ran it, ran the system well there. He got the ball to to, to Cousins, to um, to their shooters, to Miritich, uh, uh, Miller, and then also Davis put him in really good positions to, to to put the rock on the floor or shoot, you know, shoot the ball. So uh, I'm, I'm putting under as well, 45 wins. Um, let's go ahead and go on to the, to the A team, which is the team that we cover for the Spurs cast, which is the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> Okay, so the Spurs, they're over-under as of these latest um, odds as of uh, September 17th, uh, 45 wins. So it's kind of gone up since the initial odds came out way back in the summer. Last year, they won 47 games. Now, uh, defensive, I mean, offensively, they were 17th last year ranked. Uh, defensively, they were 4th. Key additions, there's been a lot here. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> Marco Bellinelli, Jakob Pertl, uh through the draft, Lonnie Walker the 4th, though we don't know how much he'll play. Uh, Dante Cunningham through free agency, through the draft, Chemezi Metu, and then um, he's a partially guaranteed player for now, uh, Quincy Pondexter. Key losses, uh, Danny Green, Manu Ginobili. For, Danny Green got traded, Manu Ginobili uh, retired, Tony Parker went to Charlotte, and then Kyle Anderson signed with Memphis. And then I wrote down Kawhi last because Kawhi didn't technically play last year, so he wasn't really more... He, he, Who? He, Kawhi, he, the, guy, the guy that's now in <laughs> Toronto. Uh, he, that's almost what you could say for last year because, you know, again, he wasn't even on the floor. He was on the floor for nine games. So he, so in terms of rotation players, those were the, 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 the four guys that, that were the key parts that the Spurs did lose. So, John, um, the Spurs won 47 without Kawhi last year. They got DeRozan, you know, like I just mentioned. Uh, what do you think about 45 wins? Do you think there's an over or under there? What, what is it? What do you, what's your call? I, I may be just a little bit crazy, but I think this is a 51 team. I really do. And it, it's nothing – Nothing to slight the guys that left. I'm glad that this kind of purge of the roster happened because it's been desperately needed for a while. I know it's just preseason, but I remember 
looking at Tony Parker's box score for that first preseason game in Charlotte, and I was like, I think it was like 0 for 3, 1 assist, 1 turnover, a couple fouls, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't miss that. I don't miss looking at Tony just kind of like, Jesus, dude, you have no lift on your jumper. You're just holding up the guard rotation, and you're not getting anything done offensively. Like, you're just clanging here and there. You can't get to the rim as easily. I'm sorry. I love Tony Parker. I wish he would have stayed, but at the same time, I'm happy that the purge happened because... I see the way the Jante plays, and I'm just like, this needed to happen in the worst way. I feel like they've got enough talent to put three different lineups out there that can compete with that middle tier of the NBA, especially in the West. Those, the Lakers, the Thunder, Utah, they, they can compete with those teams. Obviously, they're not to Houston and Golden State's level yet, but this is a 50-win team easily. And I, I don't know if that's the homer, if I'm seeing it through rose-colored lenses, whatever, but I think this team has a lot more potential than last year's did. I think last year was just treading water, hoping that Kawhi would come back. You lose that drama, you lose that uncertainty, and it's just a weight off of everyone's back, and it just seems like it's going to be a lot more fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I have a 48-52 to 52 wins, kind of, so I put 48, I wrote it down, but um, a few weeks ago, Colin um, Reed was on the Spurs cast, and we, we went through the schedule, and a big part of why I'm choosing this is not just because of the talent that they've added to the team, but also the schedule, man, it's just, it, you know, we, we kind of went through it. After the All-Star break, it gets really easy for them. A lot of Eastern Conference teams, a lot of teams that we expect are going to probably be trying to tank at that point of the season. So it's both partially the schedule, but then also just their roster makeup. There, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of talent on this roster. Um, again, I, I kind of agree with you. I feel like they can compete with OKC, with Utah, with the Lakers, with Denver, all these other teams. Maybe even Houston in a way, I, you know, I just got I, I really got to see yeah. how Houston cut, clicks together, but I, I, I don't think the Spurs on the Golden State's level, obviously, um, you know, they're, they're on a, just another playing field, but as far as everyone else, the Spurs can compete with a lot of those teams. So I'm definitely giving them a chance. And again, partially also due to that schedule. So um, I have the Spurs right now at 48 and, um, and you have them at 50. So and it wouldn't surprise me if they get 50. I actually, on, on one of my um, projections, I wrote down 52 for them to win. So, so who knows, but I think that this is definitely going to, as long as they stay healthy, this is going to be a really good Spurs team. And, you know, just look at that opening night. Like I mentioned, 42% of a new team and they were already up by 16 points at one time uh, against Miami there in the preseason. Now, uh, okay, let's go and go on to the ninth team. Um, and that's, this is kind of a team with an asterisk by their name. This is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, you know, at this point, the, the, the uh, Vegas has them at 45 wins. Last year, they won 47. Now, we know that that, that big um, what if is Jimmy Butler because he has demanded a trade. Uh, they, haven't tra- they haven't traded him yet. The uh, you know, latest reports are that uh, owner, the owner wants and Butler are kind of working together to try to get him out of there. But then Tibbs and, and his management team aren't basically trying to just keep um, you know, uh, raising the stakes in terms of the packages because they don't want to lose Butler. So we'll see what happens with Butler, obviously. Um, some, some additions, uh, Anthony Tolliver, Luol Deng, uh, James Nunali from the EuroLeague, and then Keita Bates-Jopp from the, from the draft. Some key losses were uh, Nemanja Belitza and then uh, Jamal Crawford. <laughs> so, again, this is, this is really tough just because of we don't know what's going to happen with Butler. Uh, so what do you think about 45 wins for the Wolves over or under? So off of yours, I'll go under. I, I went back and I just I found an article from two days ago that I guess the Jimmy Butler trade talk has pushed it even lower. So I saw it at 40 and a half. Well, yeah, I still go I still go, you know, under on that just because I feel like you're not going to get whatever Minnesota's asking prices for Jimmy Butler. I don't think you're going to get anywhere near, especially if teams that have a lot of draft picks. This isn't a, exactly a strong draft. So there's not a lot of incentive to take back 2019 picks. They probably want someone young and a couple role players, and I just don't feel like 
there, there's just been so much drama with that team and with Tibbs and with Wiggins and all these guys. And I'm, I'm just to the point where it's like they had their one year, they made the playoffs with 47 wins, and that's it. We've, we've seen them peak, and now they're going to have to do some reshuffling and try to find a, a new coach probably because of how quickly this blew up in his face and just retool that roster a lot. So I'll go under. Yeah, I'm going under two. And and just for right now, I'm just putting 44. But again, I, I definitely <laughs> think it's going to get lower if they uh, when they do trade uh, Butler. Um, let's go to the 10th team here, and that's Portland, uh, the Trailblazers. Their they're over-under is 42. Last year they won 49 games. Um, key, you know, they didn't really lose a lot of players in terms of uh, key guys. You know, they added Seth Curry, uh, Anthony Simons from the draft, and then Nick Stauskas. They did lose Ed Davis, a big part of their team, Shabazz Napier off the bench, and then uh, Pat Connaughton, who was just more of a, of a rotation player there at the end of the bench. So like I mentioned, the Blazers won 49 games last year. They were they were right there between like the third through 60 for most of the year. Um, but yet Vegas has them has them um, just you know losing seven games basically at 42 wins. What do you think about the Blazers at 42 wins over or under? I, I go slightly over. I think it's like a 42-43 win team. The, the whole thing that they haven't added anyone, they haven't lost anyone either. It, it's just the West that's gotten a little bit tougher. And that team, Terry Stotts is a great coach, and that team always constantly overperforms and overexceeds their their expectations. So there's no way I can see them losing seven games just because Los Angeles got better. And I, I, the best storyline that came out of Portland was just CJ McCollum tweeting, I'm trying, Jennifer. So I, I'm going to be rooting for that team just to see them do a little bit better. So I, I think they go over 42 wins. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going over as well with just with 45. And again, it's almost like you know they're not. They're not at that Spurs level, but they just have like that. You know, for their team, for for their organization, they have like that corporate knowledge. They they have their players. They have their two yep. stars. They have their coach. They have a system that works for them, and it's continuously winning games. And it's funny because last year they were they were also expected to not win that many games, and they ended up winning 49. And I'm glad that you and I put them in the playoffs. So I think we were kind of hesitant to almost like uh, exclude them at one point so um yeah so so I, I think that Portland will be right there again as long as um, one of those two guys doesn't get traded uh during the season let's go to the 11th team that's the Los Angeles Clippers um you know over under for them right now is 36 and a half last year they won 42 games some additions to their roster Luke Mbamute Mike Scott uh through the draft Shea Gildas Alexander and Jerome Robinson to um top 15 picks Key losses, though, were DeAndre Jordan and Austin Rivers, and then also um, Sam Decker in terms of rotational player. So what do you think about the Clippers over or under at 36 and a half? Uh, I, I had it at 38, and even 36 and a half, I'll go under. This is a team that won 42 games, and they had Blake Griffin for half the year before they shipped him to Detroit. Um, I, don't, I don't see the incentive. They're another one that I don't see the incentive in making the playoffs or even trying. Their first-round pick for 2019's lottery protected through next year, through 2020. So just miss the playoffs, try to keep building that core because they did a decent job through the draft, and I think that's the only way to go for that Clippers team unless they magically trade for Kawhi or Jimmy Butler in the next coming weeks or, you know, even Kawhi next summer. But I, I just don't see the pieces. Just keep that draft pick and move forward. Okay, I'm with you. I have an under as well. I have them under. I have them with 32 wins. And, again, this is a team where I feel like we might see Jimmy Butler in that in that, in that organization before the um, trade deadline or even, even somebody like Kawhi if there's more hints that, that – that he's going to leave Toronto. Who knows if the, those those rumblings and rumors start start going crazy and and uh, they end up trading for Kawhi before the, the trade deadline even gets here. So um, I'm going under as well with the Clippers at 32 wins. Uh, next team is uh, the Dallas Mavericks, 12th. Um, they're they're expected to win 34 and a half games over under. Uh, last year they won 24. They've added a lot of players here. They added uh, DeAndre Jordan free agency. They added Luka Doncic through the draft. 
And then uh, Jalen Brunson also through the draft. Uh, main, main loss for them was Yogi Ferrell, uh, one of their rotation players out of the backcourt. Uh, so what do you think about the Mavs? 34 and a half game, uh, wins. Way over. Way over. I've got the Dallas making the playoffs, and I'm not sure if that's just buying into the hype of Dennis Smith Jr. and Doncic and DeAndre and Dirk, but I feel like they, they put together a fun roster that's going to be great to watch. And their their draft pick is top five protected. There's no incentive to tank, especially with Dirk already, what, 41 years old? You have no reason to try and put him through hell for another season in hopes that he stays around and that you can build this team even for, and even further. They're set up really nicely for the future. Still have got Harrison Barnes. Yogi Ferrell is going to be kind of a big loss, but Dennis Smith Jr. is incredible talent, and he may be poised for one of those like Donovan Mitchell-type seasons, hopefully. Okay, I, I went over as well like you, but I, I didn't have him in the playoffs. So I had him at 35 wins. So, so um, you know, they're definitely going to be one of the teams that I'm going to watch when I'm not watching the Spurs cause, just because of Doncic. He was one of my favorite players. I was actually hoping <laughs> when the Spurs were, you know, we're going we're gonna to probably have to trade Kawhi, I was hoping that, that Dallas would have been the teams that they can get in conversations with or Atlanta at the time who had the draft pick uh, or, or one of those teams had the, had the draft pick to get Doncic. And so I'm going to watch a lot of their games. Maybe I'll be wrong about that 35, but I put Dallas at 35 wins. Uh, let's go to 13th. That's Memphis. Um, they're expect they're over under 33 wins. Last year they won 22 games. This year some key additions: uh, Kyle Anderson from the Spurs, Garrett Temple uh, through the draft, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Omri Caspi through free agency, and Shelvin Mack. Some key losses were Tyreek Evans and Ben Mclemore. What do you think about the the uh, Grizzlies at 33 wins? I think they can do a lot better if they try to trade off Gasol and Mike Connolly midseason. And I know it's going to be kind of hard to move Connolly's contract, but their their 2019 pick is traded, but it's top eight protected. I don't think the addition of Kyle Anderson and Garrett Temple gets them to a point where they should make the playoffs. So 33 and a half, uh, I've got them just barely under. I think that's a 31 team because I think they might do some midseason selling just to kind of like rebuild around Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay. I, I had them over. I, I think if they can stay healthy, I do like this team. And that's, that's, that's assuming they don't make those trades. Um, I have them at 35 wins. Uh, you know, I was looking at their roster and the Mavericks roster, and I was trying to see, you know, it was really tough for me to call, you know, which one's exactly better if they're both healthy. Just because, yeah. like, with Memphis, you have the experience, but then with Dallas, you have that potential. You have, you know, like you said, Doncic and Smith, whereas with Memphis, you know guys like Conley, um, Anderson, um, Gasol. Okay, let's go to the 14 team. That's the Phoenix Suns. Uh, their over-under is 29 wins. Last year, they won 21 games. Uh, some key additions, uh, Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, DeAndre Ayton through the draft, Darrell Arthur through trade, Michael Bridges through the draft, and then Eli Eliakobo, I think is his name, through the draft. Uh, their main losses were um, Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris, and Jared Dudley through trade. So what do you think about Phoenix um, over or under at 29 wins? I, I think just a hair under, I think about 28. They're, they get Milwaukee's first coming next summer. So armed with two high draft picks, you've, you've got a lot more incentive there to keep building and Ariza's on on a one-year deal he's extremely tradable especially if someone like Houston needs a defensive wing so yeah uh I've got Phoenix going just a little bit under okay I have him slightly over at 32 wins and again I look at that talent right there and I feel like they are going to make a move for some sort of point guard I know I know there's been a lot of point guards in terms of their their rumors uh and there's someone on their radar so I think if they can stay healthy at the the start I think that they can have a really good really good year I, I, I do want to see like Ryan Anderson out there running a spread pick and roll with them um, with the uh, Devin Booker. You know, Aiton is already having a pretty good preseason. So, um, mm-hmm. and then who knows what Michael Bridges does as well uh, for them. Last team is the Sacramento Kings. Uh, over under for them is twenty five and a half. 
uh, wins. Last year they won 27 games. I was actually surprised. I looked at 27. I was like, they won 27 games? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I was looking at that number. I was like, what? So anyway, yeah. So, so the Kings, um, over-under is 25 and a half. Some key additions uh, through the draft. Uh, they added Marvin Bagley III. Uh, through free agency, they added um, Nemanja Belitsa through trade, Ben McLemore, and then through free agency, Yogi Ferrell. Some key losses, uh, Vince Carter and Garrett Temple were the two main losses from that team. So what do you think about the um, the Kings at 25.5 wins over or under? Yeah. What does it tell you that Vince Carter is a key departure in 2018? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have anything else to add outside of that, but I do think they'll be going over despite whatever they did in that first preseason game that had people kind of scratching their heads where they started, they put out four bigs on the floor at the same oh, time. Wow, I didn't even catch that. Kind of just, yeah, just completely throwing away everything the Spurs did with their mid-range and all that. They just decided, let's just clog the paint and the hell with it. So, But I still have them going over just a hair. They, they have no incentive to tank. That first is going to Boston or Philly regardless. So try to win as many games as you can, and hopefully that Boston and Philly don't get a top five, top ten pick out of that. Okay, I, I went slightly over as well. I, I just said 29 wins. And again, if that team last year won 27 games and, and you're really adding um, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lottery pick in, in Marvin Bagley uh, the third, and you're adding a, some pr- uh, a pretty good, two pretty good rotation players in Baylitz and Farrell, then I, I, do, I do think they can get to 29 wins. So I, so I put a slight over. Okay, so Spurs cast listeners, John and I have just gone through our um, over-unders in terms of uh, wh- where we think that the uh, top th- the, the 15 teams in the West – are going to um, how many games they're going to win basically over or under. So now John, the last part is John and I are going to go ahead and just uh, reveal our, our, our eight playoff teams for the Western Conference, who are our predictions here. So real quick, John, let me write down the, the eight for you, and then I'll, I'll go through my eight. So if you want to go ahead and start, you can go ahead and start listing off your eight teams who you think are going to make it out West. Okay, for a qualifier real quick, between three and six, I feel like that's anyone's ball game, mm-hmm. but I put it in this order for a reason. So one, I've got Golden State, obviously – Two, Houston. Three, surprisingly, just because I feel like he'll be determined, I've got the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Four, I've got San Antonio. Five, I've got OKC. Six, Utah. Seven, Portland. And then Dallas at eight. Who is seven? Portland? Portland. Okay, and then Dallas at eight. Uh, Okay. Okay, so so those are Johns right there. Golden State, Houston, the Lakers, uh, the Spurs, the the Thunder, the, the Jazz, and then... The Blazers and, and Mavericks. So, so John has the, the Spurs going fourth uh, next year. So mine are a little bit different. Um, my fifth and sixth are kind of tied here. So I'm going to go through them here. I got the Rocket. I mean the Warriors number one. Uh, number two I have the, the Rockets. Number three I have the Jazz. Number four I have the Thunder. Five and six are a tie right now. I, I have them at both at 48 wins. I have the Nuggets and Spurs. So it could be Spurs at five or it could be Nuggets at five or and six basically. This is harder for me, but I, I for now I just put it just because again I don't trust this team until I see them play together or until some trades are made that I think they'll get better. And that's the Lakers. It's tough for me to put LeBron at seven, but when you think about it, hey, he's going to West Western Conference. He's never played in this conference before. This is one of the t- you know this is one of the toughest roads he's going to go down. Uh, you know now playing out West. So I, so I put the Lakers for now at seven, and then I had a tie as well for the eight nine uh, between the Pelicans and the Blazers, but. Since since we're not doing ties here, I will throw the Blazers in. I think the Blazers would get that over New Orleans. Um, so so those are my eight playoff teams. And so John listed his. So so some interesting teams to watch here are the um, you know for you the Mavs and and then for me uh, the the, the, Bla- the who is it the, the Blazers yeah wait who who did I leave out that you didn't um, oh, we'll figure that part out. So we both got yeah <laughs> oh you left out the Pelicans that's what it was yeah so you took yeah, out, yeah. you took out New Orleans okay 
so we'll see where the where the Spurs place. Um, I have them at fifth for now. John has them at fourth. Um, thanks, John, for coming on for, for this Spurs cast episode five hundred eleven. You know, it might be your final time for for a while here. So, of course, yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining us, though. You know, it's not a bad thing, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, yeah, for, for, for sure for your, for your for your professional career. Um, so SpursCast listeners, again, if you're, if you're following us on social media, follow us at Project Spurs, at ATLeague underscore NBA, at the SpursCast, and at Project Spurs Network. If you're online, visit us at ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and ProjectSpurs.net. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you, and have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.